You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. What are you looking at? The Earth. And what? Why? I don't know. I was interested. Don't look at my chair with your winky little eye. I can't wiggle help it the, if it makes Wiggle that noise. chair out before we start. Thank you. I can't help it. It is what it is. I'm looking at the Earth. Uh, I don't remember why I started. Oh, because this, this movie reminds me that I don't know where everything is on this planet. I don't know where all the countries are. I don't know what countries are in relation to others. I'm I'm isolated in my education. I accept this. So I was looking to see where. Places like Turkey and, you know, the Black Sea and all that are. I mean, even though my first husband was from Turkey. I still don't know exactly. I've never really learned that much. So I started looking at that. And then I thought, how big are the pyramids that you can see? Can you see them? How far away can you see them? Well, on Google Maps, you have to zoom way in. They don't show up. And then I was like, we think of them as being these humongous things. Because they're just little ants, you know. Then you zoom out a little bit and they just disappear in the landscape. And then I zoomed out far enough and obviously just look at that whole side of the planet. Well, pyramids don't mean shit to the universe, right? They're just nothing. So then, of course, I started looking. And now I'm looking at how the sun, if you zoom all the way out, you can actually see they've made it so that the the Earth is spinning around ever so slowly. And you um, can see as the sun's setting. Or, well, it's not really setting. It's just... You can see which side of the Earth the sun is on at any moment. So and I'm watching it. So the sun... So you, what you're telling us is the sun sets. The sun does not set. We just spin around. I don't okay. know if anyone's unaware of that. Uh, is the world not The flat? sun doesn't go around us. We're not at a fixed point with the sun spinning around us. No, no, no. We just go like... And then we fly around it, and that's what I'm watching. Google Earth is letting me watch my planet, not live or anything, from some weird satellite somewhere. But that would be cool. Why can't we have a live webcam from a satellite and just watch the Earth live? You can from NASA TV. Not live, you can't. You can, They used to have one on the space station that just looks. <laughs> just looks. Just looks at Earth like they did. Right, it. but that's as well, they, I think they still have But it. that's as they go around the Earth. I mean, right. just some fixed point out here that can see the. I don't even know if that's possible, but um, be good. Mean, fixed point. I don't know. You'll have to speak to NASA about <laughs> it to install a webcam somewhere in a fixed point in space. Okay, I'll right. do that. <laughs> is that a challenge? Are you sending me up with a challenge? All right. So that is uh, what we were talking about. That was not the before the after the show discussion. We weren't actually talking at all. So if people like know how marriage works, sometimes you sit in silence, even in even when you're in the same room for an hour. So it is August already. Saturday, Great. August. You just like the to 5th. skip over the silent marriage part into the. Just zoom right into action. True. Saturday, August the 1st, and it is after the show number 387. After the show is a podcast. It's not to do with space or uh, to do with globes or to do with Google Maps. It is actually to do with movies, and uh, we review movies. And this week we are reviewing the movie The Water Diviner, which is a 2015 movie released on Blu-ray on the 28th of July, so you can pick that one up. Right now, it just came out this week. So our friends at Warner Brothers and Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of the movie The Water Diviner before we do the review. Synopsis. A father goes in search of the remains of three of his sons who die in World War One in a battle that most of the people listening to this will have never even heard of, in a place you've never heard of. You've heard of Australia, you've heard of Turkey. But you've probably never, ever learned anything about these things. And um, it's quite interesting. And if you're Australian, you're probably like, of course I know all about this. Yeah. Because... Do we have Australians? We do have some Australians. Do we? As if we own... And some New Zealand listeners, actually. So then they will know. I apologize. You will know, to whatever degree that your country teaches you history, because everyone's is skewed. Another... I need... uh, Another shocker. The world's not round. The world... The world's not round. The world's not flat. The sun doesn't revolve around us, and whatever you learned in school is very biased from your country's point of view. And the cake is a lie. 
Until you go to college like I did and you end up with a socialist uh, teacher, professor, who likes to teach his you know, own the life. truth. The truth, yeah. <laughs> My mother likes to talk about when I came back from college the first few months, I just knew everything. Yeah, of course. Well, That's never changed. But. No. <laughs> All right, so uh, the movie The Water Diviner. Um, I was introduced to this movie via when Russell Crowe and Olga Kurilingo were going around doing uh, the press tour for it. And they were on Jonathan Ross' show. I also saw them on Top Gear, because they did star in the reasonably priced car. So I knew something of this movie, and I felt like I'd seen the trailer just from seeing the clips that they showed on those shows. Um, I am unfamiliar. I I obviously know about Galopoli. And you know how I know about Galopoli? From playing video games. uh, Galopoli is the place in the battle where this thing took place. Yeah, and it's a it was a big battle in World War One that was that like as Russell Crowe says, most of the world don't know happened, but a lot of the world took part in, like mm-hmm. aside from America, because you didn't get involved till later. But um, you know, if you're British or you're New Zealand French, or Australia, Canadian. French, German, Turkish, Canadian, yeah, th- they all had a um, you know place in this battle in in this. Conflict and what the conflict was, you know, I had to learn up about this as well. And Russell Crowe does tell it very succinctly, succinctly in the uh, second of the extras on the Blu-ray disc. It was a, you know, he, he tells you what happened, but it's just enough to kind of get. And then I went to Wikipedia and got a flavour for it. But what happened is, and uh, you might even tell it better than me. Well, it's a bid for territory, basically, that the Turkish. Government had decided to side with the with Nazi Germany. This is also just what we've briefly read and what we've heard from a movie extra. So it doesn't mean we know all the details. But roughly, Turkey had decided to align with Germany. They, Istanbul is obviously across, there's a strait there that blocks, like, going into where the Black Sea is. And on the other side of the Black Sea is what used to be the USSR, Russia, that whole huge mm-hmm. part of the world. And... What England wanted to do, because they were aligned with, like, fighting against Germany, obviously, and Australia wanted, was part of the British Empire, they wanted to cut through Turkey, Istanbul, go across the Black Sea, and then obviously hold, uh, become ally, well, their allies were the Russians, because they wanted, Russians didn't want Germany, right? They were against Germany. I'm trying to get my things all straight here. Russia did not like Germany. Russia were about to side with Germany, I just read on Wikipedia. Okay. Yes, they were about to... They were teetering. So that would have meant all of Russia, Germany, all of Turkey and all that area were now... Were possibly all aligning with the Germans. They were on the edge This is 1915, remember. We're not even into the 1940s yet. No. This is World Most War of us I, don't yeah. even know about World War One, to be honest, right? So what the English and English wanted to do was cut through Istanbul, get across the Black Sea, to, win over Russia, or yeah. basically bully them into not becoming allies. Whatever Germany. they were going to do to them. And so this little patch of land, or this little area around that whole area, little tiny area, they just decided to go on an all-out offensive. I think like later D-Day would have been sort of the other plan that ended up working in the favor of the people who planned it. Um, this one, mixed results. Really. Yeah, well, this one, you know, it's history. It failed. I mean, they, the the Allied forces gave up eventually because there was too many casualties. And After like how many? It was like 30,000, Yeah, it was a ridiculous amount of people died. And then they decided to pull out. So that, that creates all this bad feeling of what was going on there? Why didn't you pull out like two days in when, when there was 20 people? You know, it must have been a horrendous Well, it was a different time, wasn't it? Yeah. Plus, really you know, no communication between, you know, it Little takes a long to time none, yeah. to communicate. And so this was a, this horrendous thing. And this story is not a true Well, it story. also spurned Australia to have their own what they call Anzac Day, which is Australia, New Zealand. Armed. Na- Anzac. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, it's their, it's their military. <laughs> it's that, uh, like we have Veterans Day, which yeah. we honor our veterans alive and who have passed in wars and whatnot. And they have Anzac Day, which is actually spurned on by this particular one because so many people died. Yeah. So it's still remembered to them on a regular basis every single year, April 25th, I believe it was. Uh, 
24th or 25th? 24th, I believe. But then they had a, uh, they have a dawn, um, everybody, about yeah. a silent minute in, at dawn. Because um, the army was also, those soldiers were also all volunteer. It wasn't a draft, which in 1915 is kind of strange yeah. because most, I think back then, most countries were a... So that set up, the Water Diviner <laughs> is not a true story. It's bit, you know, it focuses around the battle of it, the Galapagos. Let's think battle. of it as Titanic. Titanic really right. sank. But actually, but the love story that happened never happened. But the story in this, what it was never based happened. on, it it was based on. There was just a line in somebody's diary that they found from the battle. Well, no, uh, another a, other part of the a colonel. Would, another part of this whole thing was four years after this battle, the Allied forces. Australian, everybody, British, were there to go over this piece of land. Yeah. Because they decided, after all the wars of all of humanity, that they would start digging up the bones and the dead and try to identify them and send them back or whatever they were going to do with or them. Or bury them, yeah. Instead of just... No one named graves. They wanted to mark right, everybody. Because up till then, yeah. they had a line in the movie saying, like, well, until now, other wars, nobody gave a damn. And now, we're finally going to go over it. So then one of the people who was surveying the area... Of one of these parts of this big patch of land said, one old dude from Australia made his way here to find the graves of his sons. Hmm. That's all it said. Had no story to it whatsoever. So they made a story based around that line. Correct. Um, so that's so what it this, is fiction. But based, but based around real battles yeah. and real incidents. I'm not sure about the tail end part when all that the Greek and the I was just reading about that that wasn't it that was based on a real incursion right so so terrible yeah all of it's terrible I mean it's it's wider than the battle of Gallipoli it's wider than that so that's sort of the beginning of the more terrible thing but anyway it's interesting to you know I, I I'm British and know very little about this you're American and know nothing about this nothing um I don't represent all Americans, but I can probably say in most schools we don't learn about Galapagos. So I always find things like that. And, and I, you know, when this movie opened up, I was like, I said to you, every country has something. You know, whether it be like everybody knows about World War Two and World War One even. But the details and who was involved and everything. If you're not into history, you, you generally don't have it. No. So... I like it when somebody tells a story like this that focuses on something that was huge. Like, I mean, this wasn't just a small little skirmishy thing. It like, was a huge thing. the American Civil War wouldn't mean right. shit to anybody else. No. In the whole, in the whole I, of we the don't planet about Earth, that. all of history of humanity, no. nobody's going to learn. Oh, they're going to learn superficially that the South versus the North, and you're going to see things on Antiques Roadshow. And, yeah. like, you know, you're going to hear, you're going to see movies that are based on it. But you don't learn about it. But when you're in America... And you're in school, and you're in fourth grade, and you're learning about American history. That's humongous. Right. Because Abraham Lincoln and, and all that stuff. Other countries would be like, oh, kind of heard of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, well, exactly. I'm from yeah. England, and we learned nothing about American history. And, well, didn't then, anyway, when when I was in the school in the 80s. Except that they, we kicked your butt. <laughs> right, we learned about... No, we learned that you came to help us, and you were our allies in World War II. I mean, before that, when we became America. Right. To get away from your clutches. But what I'm saying is, when I was in school, we learned about the Americans, that they came and helped us, and, you know, the camaraderie in World War II between the the what did you, the Yanks and the Limeys, you know, it, it was like a... Hmm. We learned that, and that's pretty much all we learn about Americans. We don't learn about how you were founded or anything, they just... Stitch that to one side. But on the flip side of that, you as an American don't learn anything about our kings and queens or things that are important to English people. So just everybody that, has their thing. Just about the people leaving England to make America. Right. And we don't know about the Anzac Corp. We don't know about that stuff because it's it's very important to Australians, but we're detached. We're all detached. We are, even in yeah. this world. Where we can I learn about anything. I will never learn. If I look, like I'm looking at the planet now, I'm my Google Earth here. Unfortunately, it's, again, not live. I will never know the, the point of view of any other human except for this one right here. And that's right. me. I will never understand fully the big picture of how they see the world. Never. Just what, what, what he does in this movie, getting back to the movie, he really boils it down to the people. Yeah. That people are at the heart of everything. Not the ideas, not the politics, none of that. It's just down to the person 
And I have to say, I really liked this movie a lot uh, because it felt authentic to me. Even though it is um, a... It's a little dramatized, obviously. It is, but I actually appreciated how it was made. Uh, Russell Crowe's definitely got an eye for filmmaking. Like, it, it looked gorgeous from the opening scene where he's digging a well. Mm-hmm. Which is very reminiscent of a movie I'm going to be recommending today, which is There Will Be Blood. Is the opening scene of There Will Be Blood. Yeah, yeah it, 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 you know, just the way it was filmed, and a lot of it is filmed, it's... it's an in, he has an interesting eye, but I thought it was a well-made film. I liked... What I really liked about it was it how it felt like it didn't take anybody's side, even though this is horrible thing. There were some really interesting scenes, like where the Turkish... Um, general, well, let's just say five years later when they do go to, four years later when they do go to, you know, go and survey the area at Gallipoli to find all the bodies or bones by that point. The Turkish general comes also, he's invited there by the sort of a weird political nod to one Because I said to you, this is a bit awkward because mm-hmm. he comes and there's, there's some Australian soldiers who are like, you know, four years ago, I had to stab that guy in the face. Because like, he, he killed my family. Right. And, you know, but my now buddies. we're supposed to just behave nicely to him and shake his hand and stuff. But I, I thought that was really interesting and fascinating how right. he was sat there and how Russell Crowe didn't, you know, direct this as like, you know, these are the bad guys and these are the good guys. It was like, we're all kind of messed up. And But what we've all got fundamentally is we families to look after. We're human beings. Like, I can sit down with you as my enemy and we can laugh. Because they did laugh at, at one point. They actually, friend, you know, befriended this guy. Um, I appreciate that. It was about humanity and not about... Politics. Yeah, or... It was quite a lot about politics. Actually, about... You know, when he goes to the British Embassy yeah. and all that. About, like, you know, restrictions and... How things work, and like he he's like this guy who's like, no, it doesn't. I have I have to go and do what I'm doing. So fuck all the other things. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a thing to do with any of you. I don't. No, I'm not in leave your me army. alone. I'm going. I just for my want, son. all I physically want to do is walk there, almost to the battlefield where I think my sons died and get their bones, and that's it. Like that's all I want to do. So I've never seen a story like this. I found it very interesting. I found it very very sad. Where's that? I cried almost the whole time. And I don't think in a sappy kind of sad way, this movie. I think I, more the sadness to me was just thinking about people dying. Like, yep. uh, and it shows you some of the battles, and it's not gratuitously... Uh, there are some battles, and they're quite well filmed, I thought, and they sound awesome. But it's not like, oh, let's see people explode. It's kind There's of... There's a little bit of that. There is, but it's not Saving Private Ryan. Because remember, 1915. Like, it was all... You either trench shot... Trench warfare, this was. From... 100 yards away, or you came up close, and in that one scene... Yeah, nice people. Not not just that, but picking up pots and pans and, like, biting and, you know. So it... Until when? Until the 30s and 40s, when planes and, like, huge weapons, bombs from planes started being a thing. Then that's how it was, wasn't it? Yeah, so I enjoyed it immensely. I, I thought it was... Also, it makes the subject kind of accessible to people because I was interested to come upstairs and start looking up about yeah, this. Yeah, I was so the whole time. I always find that if it's a... Like, I'm not into history, really. I mean, I, you know, on a fundamental level, but I don't go investigating history a lot. But there are occasional things where I'm like, wow, why, why don't why is that a blind spot to me? I need to know a bit about it. Just a little bit. Because it made me think, like, as you're watching it and, you know... We'll just say, if his sons died on the battlefield, well, any of them, let's say any man, let's say a generic man who's not in this movie, like, died on the battlefield, had a young child at home with the mother, and then the child grows up, and then that child has children. Then they can say, well, my grandfather, as an Australian, died with pride at the Battle of Gallipoli, right? Right. Now, that child, that grandson meets a grandson of a person from Turkey who also died on that day. What's the... What's the point of view? Or, like, I can say proudly, you know, my well, I'm proud of my grandfather for having gone to World War II. He went to Germany, went to Japan, actually, after right after the war. How does a person, if I say that to a person from Japan, oh, yeah, my grandfather was in World War II, he was military police, went to Japan after Hiroshima. What, 
my point of view is rah rah rah. My my great my great grandfather not my great my grandfather was a great American who went into the army to you know help secure whatever. And here's a person who from Japan, their great grandfather died on the day when they dropped a bomb on their city, and their point of view is going to be so different. But their love for their grandfather is the same. Yeah. You know, the thing is the same. And that's what... That's what film, keeps ripping us all apart, isn't it? That, that point of view. That, this film's all about that. Um, my One of my favourite things in the movie was the Turkish general, um, Russell Crowe, gets irate at him at one point and go, runs, up, runs up to him as though yeah, he's yeah. going to hit him. And he says, you know... You started. You 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 invaded us. You sent them here. Yeah, like, and then you know, just that moment, I was like, "You don't, you know, we we're all we see red, and then just yeah." But it's and defend, defend more complicated defend. than that. If somebody's coming at me, I'm going to defend, and then yeah, the aftermath. Yeah, and there is a love story. In, it's not a in cheery here. subject. It's not a cheery movie. <laughs> this is not like a no. It has yeah. no one-liners or weird little. There's no. only the tiniest bit of. There's some friendship. Love and, and friendship. Of, tiniest bit. The the kids kind yeah. of a, an interesting relation. You know, he has he gets into a, you know a relationship with a with a kid. Like it's you know he, he bonds with this this kid who needs somebody and just doesn't really have anything. Like it's, um, but I I found it yeah it's 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 quite depressing, but then it's full of hope as well. Like, I mean, oh, he made sure it, there's a lot of hope. That in kid's it. father. Had gone to that same battle from what we get, I gather that. Yeah. His guy's sons went. None of them have come back. So, so a, the idea is that kid's father could have killed the sons and those sons could have killed that yeah. father, but these two people have a need for each other on a different, for different reasons. It's, it's very deep shit. So it's particularly well made. I liked how it was well made. High quality. Um, I really enjoyed the subject matter and I'm glad something like this, you know, people get to understand something like this or even go and have a look at what this is. I mean, if somebody, if an American watches this movie and then says, I don't know what the hell that was all about. What was that battle? What was all that? Even if they just go and have a look, you know, I like movies that encourage people to remember things, you know, because things happened. Horrible things happened in the past. Horrible things happened right now. That we're responsible for. Terrible things are happening right now in the world in the name of war and Sometimes politics. we try and brush them away, don't we? I mean, yeah. 9-11 happened, and yes, when you bring it up, people have the flashes of the pictures on the TV. Most of, no one that I know directly, to my knowledge, knew anyone who was actually there or was killed or anything like that. But it flashes in your mind, and then, and because at that time, it was humongous. It was a galvanizing thing. It changed the world and now you think of it for a couple minutes, and then you move on, and then that's it. You do the same thing, you know, like yeah. The further time goes on, the less people care. Like, and not about caring, but no, it's forget. almost like your mind fills with other things. There's other things that happened, and then but but that's not going to be true for the woman who was in that building that day with her husband holding his hand when the building collapsed and he's dead and she got out alive. And World War One is not... You know? It, it, yeah, it's her not... Her perspective is different from mine. World War One's not in the forefront of anybody's mind. Like, now. You know, most I think we pe- need... Um... Most people from World War One. Well, everybody. Yeah. There's nobody left, right? No. So, the people who... I mean, you could have been born... <laughs> yeah. During World War One, and just be at a hundred years old now, yeah. but you probably wouldn't recall most of it. No. We need the thing from Strange Days, right? Where you, or Johnny Mnemonic, even where you can plug into your brain and live someone else's memories or experiences. You mean like <laughs> Assassin's Creed? <laughs> no, that's not the same. The Animus. That's not the same. You yeah, know? that's what you do. You live somebody else's experiences completely. Yeah, but they're turned. They're changed. By what you do and stuff. So right. I'm talking about action. But the idea of Assassin's Creed. And this, Assassin's Creed is being made into a movie, actually. Um, Michael Fassbender's playing the assassin. But um, you plug into this machine that we've cre- that they've created and you relive an ancestor because it has to be in your bloodline. You relive their memories. But so, you can do things differently. You can change things. Yeah, they explain that by... But that's what I'm saying. In that, you can actually change what's happening. I would want you to relive someone's memory where you have no... You are you are helpless. You have to relive that soldier's last moments getting shot and then beaten and then stabbed and kicked and robbed. Whatever. Like, if you experience that or be in the mind of a mother 
when the when the people come to her door to tell her and you're not just living it it's actually tapped in and you're feeling it because unless you feel what other people feel you can pretend to be as compassionate and empathetic as you want and you can have a similar experience but we just never ever ever will get it that's why we can like you said we're disconnected not just from American history to British history, but I'm disconnected from your experiences as a person who lost his mother as a young child. I have no concept of that. Uh-uh. I can get sad about it. I can think, oh, it must be terrible, but it's all very superficial because I don't know. I can never know. And you, you can't, you don't know the mother who lost a child. You no, don't know. Exactly. You can you never. You can go, wow, that's the saddest thing ever, but that's it. You're not in there with no. them. Yeah. So, um, that's my. That's what I think of this movie. I thought it was extremely well made. I thought um, I love anything that draws attention to the to something that is forgotten. Do you think that that event and then just tapping into this whole like human part of it is your is it, what you? Yeah, really I don't think it, it. I don't think this movie is um, like gratuitous in any way. It's not like oh, we're gonna sh- we just want to make we want you to show you this battle because it's so awesome. It's not like that at all. It's a different type of movie than that. Um, and I feel, watching it, that Russell Crowe really cares about this subject and wants Australians and the world... To think about it. And to have a... Even if it's... You can say, oh, well, it's just a it's just a motion picture, it's just a movie. But something to remind people and to, you know, feel respectful. If we made a World War II movie that was in a serious tone, people would respect that too. You know what I mean? They, we, we look at Schindler's List in a... the way it is made. It's not... You know, it, it's... We look at it as a document almost. But it's not. But it's not. It's no, a motion picture. But it, it works that way because of the way we are. Like, but then we, again, that also skews our reality, our perception of it. Does. It does. Because it's fiction. But we still... <laughs> Schindler's List isn't fiction because that was... It is fiction because it is an interpretation right. of some one grain of truth that but happened. But still, if it makes you see what they did like, and see the gas chambers and see, you see it in graphic detail in that movie and it makes you think about what happened and why it happened and maybe just somebody think about why it happened and it never happens again because of the thinking is different. It's a, But it, it does know, keep happening. That's the problem. Uh, yeah, people's <laughs> get jumped yeah. off. Yeah, I mean that was World War One. The war, Two. the war to end. No, World War One was the war to end all wars. Right, right, yeah, yeah. It was the great one, and then you had World War Two. Um, so think there'll be a World War Three. Yes. Yeah, I do. I do yeah. How will it be defined? I don't know if it be not. I don't know when. Again, it will. cheery, very cheery. <laughs> so, what do you think about the Water Diviner? Just in quick. I was in. You know me, I'm not a huge Russell Crowe, rah, rah, rah kind of person. But there are times when he is lost in what he's doing. Yeah. And he stops being Russell Crowe to me. And this movie was almost all that, which I really found, like, ah, you know, he's, like you said, he seems to care a lot about this, plus he's directing it. Yeah. It's his so first, dir- he's never directed. That's the number one thing that grabbed me from the beginning. And yes, he likes to really sort of um, romanticize things. But I love the message, you know. Nothing's too mushy. Nothing's too romantic. I thought the very, too... very end scene might have been a little bit too. Yeah. But, but there again, at that point. You need I a little like, bit of like. <sighs> but it, that felt very movie like that part. Yeah. It felt like, oh, you know, it's very convenient. It's very... Yeah. But still, like Titanic, which has that kind of thing in it also... <laughs> which you love. I, I can take a bit of that. And there's very little of that in this movie. There is. Really a small amount. I mean, we have to keep reminding, the whole story is fictional. Right. None of these people are real. None of this happened. We don't know the story of the bloke who turned up to find his sons. We don't know that actual story. This is all fiction. Except for the battles and how that defined what you know the the sort of the framework of it all, but yeah. I was to, I was just glad it kept going and kept going. You know, sometimes you get a, a weird feeling like oh, is it is it going to end soon? No, 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 no. I don't want it to end. And I got that a couple times and it didn't. It just kept yeah, going. Yeah, there's a whole section that I didn't see. I thought it was just going to deal with this, and yep. then I was like, wow, there's this as exactly. well. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's when I thought, oh, 
Yeah. He's there, you know, but it just kept going. And it's one of those where I was totally comfortable to just, I could have sat there for five hours. So that is a huge thing to me. High quality, good story, made me think a lot. Can't really complain about any of that. So moving on to the cast, Russell Crowe plays uh, Connor. Um, Now, the last movie we saw Russell Crowe in was Noah. His last name was Connor. His first name was Joshua. Yeah, for some reason, IMDb lists him as Connor and nothing else. Well, they kept calling him Mr. Connor. Yeah. So uh, Russell Crowe plays Connor, and we saw him as Noah in the story of Noah's Ark, Darren Aronofsky's Uh. Noah's Ark, which I was not a fan of at all, like. And it wasn't Russell Crowe's fault. It was just, I didn't Meh, like it. some of it was. He wasn't great. Uh, I don't know. Um, but Russell Crowe did a fantastic job in this movie. I mean, I, re- I really bought him as... The- I-, I forgot Russell Crowe, actually. Yep. And I bought him as this guy. And there's a lot of subtle stuff going on with his performance. Yep, like, he didn't over-dramatize his own emotions No, I felt anything. him... Even when... I felt like it was a good representation... Of a man, if you think about 1915, Australian, sort of out back. They live way out. They have their own farm. They live in the desert area where they get no rain. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, remember, he's a water. So he's raising his children, his sons in this hard life. So he's not going to be Mr. Touchy Feely, Mr. Overly Emotional. And yet he's really connected to his sons. And that comes through, not in sort of the. He doesn't break down on his knees and have a big crying fit or anything ever. Um, Not that I have a problem with that, but he never does that. But his, you can feel his guts are just wrenched constantly because of this whole situation. So I like that. Yeah, I think it. I like that his guts were wrenched. And Olga Korolenko. Korolenko. Yeah, Korolenko. Ash. Ash. Um. Now, she's from a... I really loved her in Quantum of Solace. I've actually got her on a poster downstairs. Um, I've got a Quantum of Solace poster. It's not the best Bond film, but I loved her. She was one of my favorite Bond girls. And um, I didn't realize <laughs> that she had this much... Because the being a Bond girl is... it's You you run away from stuff. You fire a gun. It's You know, you, you saw what she did in that. She's good, but in this movie... You let Bond grab your arm and twist you around. She's very different in this movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't give her too much... Credit about most of the time she's being very dreamed up. She is. I mean, very. I feel like she did a good job against it. There's some scenes where she's. Yes. Yeah, it's it just and the scene with the Turkish, you know the. Yep, yep. That whole scene was like, you know, I I felt emotion for it, and she did a good job. She's, you know. But there are other times when Russell Crowe's standing behind the camera, and you can just feel the vibe of she's so beautiful. Just look at her standing across the room. They do. He does with her long love her up neck a bit, yeah. And, yeah, and she's holding the platter in such a way. I mean, she she's is like supermodel walking down the thing. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, but I don't give a shit. I like. You can feel those moments when it's like, ugh. But then she does have. I think about three times when she's quite uh, uh, gives. She's given a lot of quality things to say. Otherwise, it's a lot of just looks and. I also put down Yilmaz. Eridan, Eridgan, and he's a Turkish actor. He plays Major, Major Hassan. And he's the guy I said, has that really awesome line where he says, mm-hmm. you invaded us. I really liked him a lot. Like, And, I, you know, we're not used, we don't know Turkish actors, Mm-mm. but he's a famous Turkish actor. So in Turkey, he's a famous guy. Um, I wish more films would use actors from other countries. Yeah, with their in, own in accents. In Hollywood movies, with their own accents. <laughs> don't make them British or, no. or American. <laughs> And, you know, there's famous people in every single country um, who are really good and we don't get to experience them, you know? So I like it when there's a chance like this for, you know, in this case. Yeah, America and England are not the only two countries on this planet who make movies. I guess what I'm saying is I'm glad he didn't get Australians and make them look like Turkish dudes. Yeah, well, a lot of them were. They were. Yeah, but those two, the two main guys weren't. Yeah, Um, I put down Jai Carney who uh, plays Lieutenant Colonel Hughes. And I thought he was excellent. He was one of my... When he was talking, he, he... I bought him as that... I don't know. He's, he's a, a young little, dude. He's a little too glossied up for me. Yeah, but he's got this... For sensi- having gone through the rigors of he's war, got this he sensitive had perfectly job. bleached hair on either side, and he had this perfectly smooth skin without a scratch or a scar. I was a little bit annoyed by that. I but really as far liked, as his bef- performance yeah, was all right. The performance of the sensitive job that he's got. Very sensitive. And I really liked... What, was also, what else was he in? Because I remember something. He's actually... We've not seen it yet. We will We will be seeing it. Um, 
but he's the in the the fourth Terminator movie because you bought me the box set. We're going to watch all four of them. I think it's him before the, that. He he plays the main guy in that. Um, not Christian Bale, but the other guy against him. He was in a. Uh, the new Die Hard film, the latest one, he was he plays John McClane's son. Didn't see that. No, <laughs> but you might have seen the trailer and seen him in it. Um, I don't know what else he played. Jai Courtney. Um, he was in something else very recently because I saw a review. Insurgent, that's it. He was Insurgent. the main guy. He was. He was the yeah, bad guy. Divergent. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Divergent. Divergent, yeah. And Jack Reacher. He was in Jack, Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher, yeah. But so, Di- Divergent's what we remember him from because he's got a very distinctive look. Um. So, also, Ryan Core, there's three, the three brothers, Ryan Core, James Fraser, and Ben O'Toole, they play Art, Edward, and Henry. I know the three brothers are the main focal point of this movie, because he's going look, but they're not actually the main point of I they're know, not. they're very, it's a very tiny, I, I wouldn't recognize them. It really got to me, though. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Stop. 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 Go watch the movie. Go on. But it really got to me. I mean, this is a big one. I can feel what you're about to say. This, so this is huge. And if you if you want to watch this movie and enjoy it for what it really is, do not listen to the next two minutes of this conversation. No. Well, okay. it's pretty brief, to be honest. Yeah, but, but go. <laughs> you're going to ruin the whole thing for somebody. The so scene when they're uh, dying. You get time. You got time to still hit the pause button. The scene when they are dying. And he's whimpering in pain. It's awful. That was hard to watch. I, w- I was like... It's awful. And yet, could you imagine, like, I mean, you can't imagine. But no. I'm, you, you're dying, and you have a long, it's going to be a long time, and you're in the worst pain you've ever been in. And I bought that from, and that was the moment. And the moment also where he, where they went ape shit in the, um. Oh, yeah. That was good. Yeah. But they could have been anybody. So, I'm not while this movie's rude, about but... looking for these boys, <laughs> the boys don't get chance to, aside from that really poignant scene, you know, yeah. in the, and that, yeah. that one too. So yeah, uh, and he, you know, uh, Russell Crowe did like a workshop in Australia and found these actors through a workshop and like a, mm-hmm. not like a. It looked pretty rough for it them. It did look pretty rough. He takes took, everything very seriously, Russell yeah, he Crowe. He's a very intense like if I'm going individual. to interview people for these parts, it's going to be an experience for them. I mean, they had to work out. They had to do those. You've never never been to an acting class where you. You stand up and they'll tell you, like, you know... You've got to be there. Um, you know, whatever. It could be anything. It could be, like, um, give me a word from every letter of the alphabet, but I want everyone to be a different emotion. And I want you to use your body and your soul, or don't move at all and express complete and utter sadness. Yeah. With nothing more than the expression on your face. It looked like that was going on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I did drama at school and, uh, you know... uh, rudimentary drama at school and yeah we had the te- the teacher would go okay we're all going to be trees today so stand like a tree and then you'd all really st- that's very funny you'd all stand you like a tree you mean in little school no in actually high school and then you'd all stand like a tree and then she'd say okay now we're all trees we're not moving you need to express and then she'd go through all different things happiness sadness hmm. uh without moving seems like something from a tv show no we did that in drama i can remember doing it and thinking wow i'm not into this at all <laughs> so, um, directed by Russell Crowe, first feature film, believe it or not, even though he's been in so many films. Um, a lot, he's been in films a long time. First film I ever saw him in, and I would recommend this film to you, is Romper Stomper, which was his, I think it might have been the first film he was in. It's an Australian movie, and he's a skinhead, like a Nazi skinhead. And it's super violent, and it is an awesome movie. Um, I think it might have been his first movie. You're looking now, aren't you? Yeah, what was it? Romper Stomper. Oh, that was until 1992. Oh, really? Yeah. He's all this other stuff before that. He right. Neighbors before that. That's definitely the first film I saw him in. And, and I was like, wow, this guy. He's like, And he's intense in that movie. It's a bit like a Gary Oldman kind of role. You know, like a really crazy... Um, but yeah, Russell Crowe, uh, I think he directed this just fine. And this looked to me from the extras like it had quite a big budget. There's a lot going on. Uh, it's not a big special effect film or anything, but he definitely... You, you know, they, they bill him as like Oscar winner, Russell Crowe and all that. Winter's Tale. I I wasn't 100% against Winter's Tale. <laughs> I, I do like Colin Farrell, and I, I, I thought it was interesting. Like It was very interesting. It was right, I guess. Yeah. 
And I I'm thought Russell Crowe was good in that. He was intimidating with his bowler hat on, and yeah, I, I that movie is funny movie because it's. I, I can not understand. Funny, huh? No, I can understand <laughs> why most people would not like it and think, "Oh God, it's trashy," or whatever. But there was something about that that I it was. In, you it, like magical stuff. Yeah, I like a flying horse, and I like you know Colin Farrell. Sue me. Sick girls. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the compulsion, the com- consumption, the consumption. Yeah. Yeah, I love movies where tuberculosis. People, tuberculosis. They should tuberculosis. work the consumption into more movies. <laughs> it's terrible! Oh my god! All right, so you are impossible. That should be a conversation that you say to a wife when no one's <laughs> listening, and then she can tell you, "Don't say that to anyone ever out loud, ever, ever." And now you've just said it to like three other people. All right, so Blu-ray extras <laughs> here. There are two. There's the making of the Water Diviner, which is quite clearly an Australian. It, this was actually aired on Australian TV, even though it's only just come out on Blu-ray now. They aired it on Anzac Day, uh, commercial free on their main TV station, the one that you just get with an antenna, not even cable. And I, I assume that went with it, a companion piece, because it was the making of this movie. But it was clear, because there was commercial break yeah. bits. Not commercial breaks on the Blu-ray, but there was it stops. But well, my one break. comment from that extra is, well, it was informative and very quite informative. good about the movie, is that I believe Russell Crowe thinks very highly of himself. Extremely I've seen him before, him. and it, it doesn't change my mind on him. He's he's always kind of like that. Up his ass a lot. But he is the bringer of knowledge to you, and with a wink, he's also quite charming. Yeah, he is. He's <laughs> I mo- mean, in his mind, he's the movie star. <laughs> in yeah. his mind, yeah. Um, I liked the making of it. It was presented in a way that it told you about most things that I wanted to know about. And then the second extra on this Blu-ray, there are only two. The second one's um, about. The actual Galopoli. It's very brief. Doesn't really show you any anything. But it. But Russell Crowe explains it in a few sentences quite succinctly. And I understood more about it just listening to him. So I thought that was good. Because people might be a bit confused after the movie. Exactly what was going on. What the times. And he does explain it. So there are only two extras unfortunately. Because this movie could... I've had a great, like a good documentary about the real events. I think movies like this should have a that kind of thing added to a disc, where you can sit and watch, even if it's a PBS style thing that was made about that. I think those should be included. Because I think Ken Burns needs to make a movie about this. <laughs> Do you know who that is? Yes, he makes uh, PBS uh, documentaries. Really good ones. So, uh, in conclusion, on the Water Diviner, I really liked it. I mean. It's a, it's an interesting one. It's I can't recommend it to everybody because there's going to be a lot of people who don't like historical things. They don't like, you know, it's quite depressing. It's full of, you know, it's a war movie. They might not like that. But if you like this kind of movie, it's a good movie. I mean, I, I can't, it's good all the way around. It looks good. It sounds good. It's got good performances and... It's not overly sappy. And it covers an interesting thing that I'm unfamiliar with, but now I'm familiar with just from a movie. If we learn thing from things from movies, like Saving Private Ryan and this movie, it is. Go ahead and have a war, but in your war, nobody's sons or daughters can be killed. Just keep that in mind. When you're running your war, nobody's sons or daughters can be killed. And if I you would can a- pull off a war with those rules, think about it. <laughs> You're not going to get very far. You might have to sit down and talk to somebody and get your head out of your ass. Because nobody's sons or daughters, and I don't mean just like if some kid is an orphan, that doesn't count. He's somebody's son or daughter, so he can't die. You can't kill him. You can't kill some child who has whose parents have abandoned her because she has parents. She's someone's daughter. You cannot kill her. You can't kill her father because he was someone's son. And on and on and on. So if that's the number one rule of war, let's just change change the dynamic a little bit and see how we go from there. That reminds me of that song by... Uh, who's that song by? It's an Australian dude. Um, the Voice, it's called. It's... Um, you're all some, we're all someone's father. We're, we're all someone's father. We're all someone's son. Can we look at each other down the barrel of a gun? 
Sam's Ann. There's a song you know that about song, it. Right? I don't know the song. John Farnham is by. I don't know it. It's an Australian guy. I don't know it, but I'm saying that was we all are it thinking. It might have alike. actually been about this incident <laughs> or the Civil War. No, it is an Australian. Oh, you're right. Sorry. Well, they had their own civil wars, I believe. I well. believe it, it. You know, it sounded like. So well, it wouldn't be father's. What I want to say also about um, the water diviner, um, when people think of motion pictures, movies, as oh, it's just this entertainment shit that pe- you know people watch these movies and you know, it means nothing. <laughs> it no, can. It can. It can. Nothing. It can because you can watch Ant Man and you know. heart get hard. Yeah, <laughs> but there are also movies, documentaries that also included motion pictures that can, you know, not only entertain, like this movie does, it entertains, but it also documents, well... It doesn't. It does. It doesn't document anything, it's fiction. No. Let me finish. It... It puts something down there that ordinary people who don't know something about like this can be educated in a way. Like, you can go, oh, well, you're not educated because you just saw fiction. Well, no, because you can like me, go and look up the facts and be... I'm actually educated about this Gallopoli incident. Before today, I had no idea... I knew. I've heard of that name, but I didn't know what... I didn't know it existed. I didn't know what was going on there. Why? How? What? You know? So, if it just makes people learn, which movies can do, and movies really can make people learn. You go and watch documentaries and you can, you know... Often they are one-sided or slanted, sure. but if it just makes you look behind the curtain of a certain thing. So there's a double-edged sword there. Number one, when you watch a Hollywood movie or a British movie, BBC, from any other country, that does promise that it's based on a true story or it's yep. historical in some way. If you just take that for face value, like if you watch Pearl Harbor and you think that's how the shit went down... Well, then you're an idiot. Yeah. But if you watch that, and then you say, hmm, what really did happen at Pearl Harbor, then you go look it up. Well, then you can sort of undo the fiction, which can be a bit of a drag, because you just realized, oh, well, none of those people existed, and that's not how it happened, and we don't know if he said you you woke a sleeping dragon. We don't know any of that shit. But it made it dramatic. So it'll undo a little bit of the fiction for you. But if you mix them together... Or you can just go watch something stupid like Bridesmaids and Get have out. a good time. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would watch Bridesmaids 20 times. you got to admit, Get Before I ever watch Get Hard has a real... The line, punch him in the ass, <laughs> is a really good line. I'm going to punch <laughs> you in the ass. One line doesn't make a good movie. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoyed it. Anyway, uh, movie recommendations. At this point in the podcast every week, we recommend some movies. And I usually base my movies on... Either what comes to my mind when I'm watching the movie of this week, which was The Water Diviner. So what the opening scene of this movie immediately reminded me of There Will Be Blood. Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood. Uh, this guy is, is a water This guy is a water diviner. The guy in There Will Be Blood is an oil prospector. And there's a very similar scene going on at the very beginning of this movie. They're very reminiscent. I was gonna say though. When you see the name of this movie, The Water Diviner. Yep. It's not like The Horse Whisperer, where the whole movie is about a guy who... No. There's commute. one scene of Water Diviner. Yeah. <laughs> Just another <laughs> so if spoiler. So <laughs> if you're a Water Diviner uh, connoisseur, <laughs> you're not going to get much of that. You get one of them. So <laughs> so There Will Be Blood is my... It's a fantastic movie. You should all see it. Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood. And the other one is The Way Back, which was a movie we have actually reviewed on this podcast, if you go back and have a look. And... Uh, this movie reminded me of that movie because it was like, this is based on a true thing that I have no idea about, and now I do. So they're mine for this week, and yours are mine are because it made me think of another war-themed movie of a thing that I knew nothing about from World War Two, which was um, American soldiers in Italy during World War Two. Yeah, that distant, but having an African American uh, troop. In Italy, there was, you know, shit going on everywhere that I don't know about. Historically, I don't... I'm bad at learning things. Is it a Spike Lee joint? It is a Spike Lee... I believe it is, yeah. Uh, Miracle at St. Anna. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, it's it actually is. well made. I don't it's, like Spike Lee, and I like that one. Because that one's different. It's just pointing out two very, thing, two very big things, like this community in Italy mm-hmm. completely decimated by 
And they actually war. filmed it in the real location. Yeah, and they had nothing to do with what was going on on either side. And then this the whole idea of an actual African-American whole troop being sort of disposable and sent to a place where basically... And that's this the truth of it. I mean, that's the way it is. And the other one is uh, a war movie that's not based on reality at all. I was going to say, when I was talking <laughs> about movies being documents, this one is not. A no. Okay, in this one, <laughs> there was a World War II and there was a Hitler. This one's alternate reality. Everything else is Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's an alternate view of what could have possibly happened. And it's what I think of it as what people would like to. It's exactly that. Yeah. It's a crowd pleaser. A rogue sure. group of soldiers or. Well, are they soldiers? I don't know. Who go around. Those bastards. Just killing Nazi soldiers after the war, before, during and after the war. And it's got Christoph Waltz in it. Who was? That's where we learned of Christoph Waltz and his... That intimidating first scene will always, always play in my mind where you are just... At Comic-Con, uh, um, Quentin Tarantino did a panel that I watched. And, uh, you know, it's question and answer. People out of the audience got up and they said, what's your favorite thing you've ever written? And it was the scene with Christoph Waltz. That's his favorite. Right, thing, I can see ever. why, because it's too, and it's because of him, though. To be honest, yeah. it's because of. Well, Christoph the writing's Waltz. good too. I mean, it's really very. Yeah, but you could put that in the hands of someone else who wouldn't have done it in a way that made you feel so afraid of him. Like he really intimidated. Me. Makes me want to watch that again now. Okay, so um, games and a scully stuff this week. Uh, I've been playing a new game, newish, called Battlefield Hardline. And it's the new Battlefield game on the PS4 by uh, EA. And uh, this time, instead of soldiers and war, they've gone for the police department. I've only played like the first three levels. I told you what's interesting about it is it, it, you, you start off playing. And you're like, oh, interesting, cops, cops, cops. And then the, the credit sequence rolls and you're like, oh, hold on, this is a TV show. Like, I'm playing a game about cops, but the game about cops is a TV show. <laughs> Which is really, like, this weird kind of... So, you're going through... You start off in L.A. That's that's what the bat I'm doing. And you're trying to solve the... There's, well, it's like a... It's a, you know, a case. But it's about gangs and uh, drug dealing. Uh, and I don't know how far it goes, but I've been doing, ga- you know, busting drug dealers at the moment. Uh, it's a battlefield game, so I'm assuming it, something happens where you end up flying a, flying a plane and using a tank, but um, I can't really tell you mo- much more about it. All I can tell you is it's really cheap right now. It's like um, in the bargain bins, because it came out last year. Uh, no, it didn't come out last year. It came out this year. It just didn't do very well. So I think people didn't like the cops and robbers. They just wanted the soldiers. You've had so many soldier games. Why can't they do something new? Uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention, this is not a game, but um, I've talked about Top Gear a lot on this show. And, you know, Jeremy Clarkson was famously fired from the show for punching somebody in the face, which deservedly so, I would say. Wouldn't you? Say that again. Jeremy Clarkson was uh, fired for punching a man in the face, and I think deservedly so he was fired from a show. Yeah. Because the BBC can't really... If one of their members of staff is assaulted by another member of staff, they can't just sit back and go, ah, let's let that. Well, that's slide because of who he is. We were just talking about this on our bike ride, that they can't, an organization can't stand behind an individual anymore who's mm-hmm. done a thing that the whole world will now, well, we're not saying the world, the media will now take a big giant spotlight and point it straight at your organization, yep. not at the person, uh-uh. and you have to just cut them loose. That's shitty, but I mean, that's the way it goes. So I'm a huge fan. And- Joe Kogan, these people are getting yeah. ditched. Paula, Paula Dean. Yeah. They do one thing, which is shitty, unexcusable. It's life. They're human. They do shit. And then the the person they work for or the big sponsor they Tiger have goes, Woods. that's what I said. This, well, we're done with you. So what's happened over the, you know, the BBC f- fired him and the other two guys left. So that as far as everybody's concerned, there's no Top Gear anymore. But then the BBC came forward and said, no, we're going ahead with Top Gear and we're going to get new people to host it. Which the fan base were kind of like, what's going on here? We this won't be Top Gear anymore because Top Gear is about these three guys. So, so the BBC are going ahead with their own thing, and Hammond, May, and uh, Jeremy Clarkson went off 
and said nothing basically for for a few for a couple of months really. But what was announced this week was that Amazon Video, which is part of Amazon Prime, uh they've got the rights to the new. They, they <laughs> Clarkson dubbed it Bottom Gear. It's not called Bottom Gear, but he said, yeah, this new show that we we're, we're doing, which is essentially going to be a Top Gear clone, will be on Amazon Video um, from next year, early next year. They're actually going to film it in a couple of weeks. So what's good about that is, you know, if you like Top Gear, you're going to get a show that is similar to Top Gear with your old cast. And if you like BBC's Top Gear, there's also they're going ahead with a Top Gear, so you're going to get two Top Gear. You know, essentially. So, if you're a Top Gear fan, kind of win-win, isn't it? You know, you've got this new one that's brand new that could be really good, right? I, we don't know. But everybody say, no, it'll be terrible. It could be better. Who knows? You've got this one that the BBC do, and then you've got the Amazon one. You uh, have to subscribe to Prime to watch it, apparently, or you can buy it per episode. I think they were saying 99 cents an episode. So... Yeah, that's going to be coming soon. Probably, like, early next year. So, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? Tonight there's going to be... And why are you telling me what's for dinner? What is this? What? What is this section of the This section is because several years ago we stopped eating meat. And then when we started doing the podcast, it was like, well, what are we going to eat? We could tell people, like, the weird stuff that we're trying and tasting and recipes. And then sort of just, now it just is what we eat. We forgot to mention... Two days ago. I was about to tell you. I mean, yesterday. I was about to ask you to explain that. <laughs> Two days ago. Uh, well, okay, for supper tonight, veggie burger. I'm going to make some noodles. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. And some broccoli. And some Doritos. Very good combination. That doesn't sound right. People say, people mm. say Ugh, what do vegetarians eat? Well, everything except for dead animals. Like, pretty much covers it. But yesterday... On our bike riding. Was it yesterday? No, day before. It was yesterday. Wasn't it? No, it was um, Thursday. You are correct. Thursday. <laughs> Time <laughs> flies. Thursday. Um, we do a bike ride now every day, except for Sundays, to, to, to rest. Resting we, on the Sunday. We have an awesome trail where we live. We have a trail called the Katy Trail. K-A-T-Y Trail. It's like the old train tracks used to be go across... Uh, Missouri, and now they've converted 250 miles of it into just a bike trail or hiking trail, whatever. We have, we go to our spur, and we can go either direction, so we can go however many miles one way, and it's not a loop. You have to come back on the same track. And one of their towns that's on that's 35 miles one direction has a lot to offer, lots of bed and breakfast, you know, like some cool things that we've decided that someday... Hopefully this fall, we will be able to bike that far. It's 35 miles. Now, in the beginning, I thought, oh, my God, there's which, no way. Which there's no way. is, is uh, 70 miles because we'd have to come back. Yeah, we'd have to come back. But yeah. the plan would be to go, stay overnight, and then head back the yeah. next day. So in the beginning, I thought, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. I can barely go two miles. I can barely go up the street and back. And I'm just like, ugh. And yesterday, before yesterday, we... I said, I think we should do a long one. And so we headed off with extra water and we're going to this other town. It's called Hartsburg, between here and the other town. They have a cafe and all this stuff. It was, well, supposed to be just 10 miles, but it was a little over 10 miles. So altogether, we did a 21 mile ride and it was awesome. And it was lunch. a hot day. And why I'm, why I'm bringing this up is because we, I, what she said, our specials of the day are cheeseburger and ham, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, it's a small town, like 180 people. It's a little tiny cafe called Dottie's Cafe. Dottie is the grandma cooking in the kitchen. So the chances of having any vegetarian food, I'm not being stereotypical. I'm just being realistic. I mean, we ordered a salad. We ordered salads. And the salad had like cran craisins and sunflower seeds and all that stuff on it, which is cool. I said, well, we're vegetarian. She goes, oh, we might have some veggie burgers. I don't know if we have any. We just don't put them on the menu. So I don't know if we do, but if we do, do you want one of those? And we're like, well, sure. So they make the veggie burger, bring it out. It was pretty big, and so we cut it in half. And it was absolutely delicious. You identified what you thought it was, and you were correct. It's just a Morningstar frozen veggie burger, like a spicy bean burger. And we can get them. And she came over to you while I'd gone to the restroom and said, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's a Morningstar. We go to Sam's Club, and we get them in bulk. Yeah, so she said. 
But it was absolutely, they cooked it right. It was done a nice bun. It was a cool little cafe. People don't bug you. It was like, oh no. You know, and sometimes in those kind of locally, but people want to, I don't know it. No, it feels a bit. Nah. I've never had that. I know what you're talking about. But this one was like, she was so busy, she couldn't really do much. Yeah. It was really good. It was really good. And I was not, by the time we got home, I was still fine. My butt didn't hurt. You know, if you ever ride a bike, you know, your butt can be the first thing to go. And then, um, so, so we're working up to the 35-mile mark. There's also another cool thing in the town of Hartsburg, and they've got a train caboose, as they call it in America, um, that's converted into a... Uh, like a little hotel room. hotel room that you can go and stay. It's got air conditioning. And one of the bed and breakfasts at the town we're going to go to also has one of those. And just so you know that, about 70 years ago... No, not 70. When it would have been in the 60s, my great-grandmother divorced my great-grandfather... There was an abandoned railroad car in town, in this town of 300 people, and she uh, cleaned they're, it up and moved into it as a little house. They're pretty cool, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, why not? Resourceful. Yeah. So, and it looks really cool. It's painted red, and it's right in the middle of the town. You can't miss it. Because when you stop at the little park station, hmm. and it has a little flyer there, it's covered in plastic, it's handwritten, it says Daddy's Cafe, across from the red caboose. And, and I'm like, oh, where would that be? And you and stepped went, over <laughs> to the side, and you go, isn't that it right there? <laughs> it's like The only red away. thing in this town that's yeah. really... <laughs> Literally, like, right there, like, across the street. So, it was just really nice, really awesome. It's like a day adventure, half a day adventure. Good food, good exercise, and I'm not a proponent of exercise. And good me. company. Me. I'm just as happy to sit on the couch for 10 hours watching Terminator. Like, I seriously, I have no, like, oh, we should be up exercising. And when I'm out on the bike, I'm not thinking, oh, I wish I was at home watching a movie. Something about biking just makes me happy, and that's very weird. So I'm just going with it. However the farthest I can go, I'm going to go. All right, so. so before we wrap this up, what's your advice? Say something new every day. Make an effort to say something that you haven't said already, like, hot enough for you? How's the weather out there? Blah, blah, blah. Just another day. Looking forward to the weekend. Another oh. day, another dollar. Oh, it's Monday. Well, I'm sure glad it's Friday. All that bullshit. If you listen to people enough, it is like you are in the Truman Show. You're on a fucking loop. You are. So you need to say something <laughs> new. Every day, I don't care how small it is, if it is that you listen to this podcast and you mention to somebody, have you ever heard of this Galapoli thing about Australia? I mean, even if you don't care, it's something that they will probably look at you like, what are you saying? Because they're used to everybody else saying the same shit over and over and over and over. And it makes me want to rip my larynx out so, so I don't have to be responsible to be the only person who says something I'm not going to say it's interesting just because I say it, but something that's not the same. You should do a survey at work tomorrow and ask all the people <laughs> yeah, who you work with, have they heard of the Gallipoli incident uh, in World War One? Ask them any if they know anything about it and see what they I say. I should say, what do you know about World War One? <laughs> yeah. Or what do you know about... No, this specifically. What do you know about Australia's involvement in World War One? <laughs> I'm going to be like... <laughs> and then you'll feel super educated. How about this question? When was World War One? Yeah. I mean, I was even a little rough on it now, but now I realize it's like 1911 through 17 yep. or something like that. So yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but at least I've got the time frame kind of right. Gallipoli was almost like the first contact, they said, so it was really? the beginning of it, right at the very beginning. Oh, right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, educate and uh, say something new. Say something different. That, say something unexpected or weird. You don't have to swear at somebody or say something offensive. Just say something that the person you're talking to might have never, ever, ever heard or expect you to say. So, I'm going to say, and this is something I say every single week, exactly the same. So, I might say it a little differently today. <laughs> I'll remind and this, it looks, what I'm going to say next is yeah. the same thing I say every week. <laughs> I'll remind you about our um, internet protocol uh, pages. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Okay. Uh, we have one called sidtor.com and one called ascully.com. They're the most popular pages on the inter- interwebs. You can also catch <laughs> Don't us. Do you mean the World Wide Web? Yes, the World Wide Web. You can also catch us on uh, the Twitter, the Facebook. <laughs> they are a social. They're both social things. You can talk to people. You can post things, and people can like it. That kind of thing. I think they're in the cloud. Yeah, I do <laughs> think they're in the cloud. The cloud is something to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> 
This this podcast is also in the cloud. You can get it from the cloud. Which cloud is it that you get it from? <laughs> Don't over there. Yeah, the Stitcher cloud, the iTunes cloud. This is the. Uh, Don't even put ideas in their mind because eventually we'll look yeah. up at this guy and there'll be big, there'll be big Apple logo that's been in the, somehow the emblazoned. No, a cloud in the shape of an apple. Passing by. Yes, <laughs> I bet it's possible in the future. In the future, that is what will happen. You can also catch us in um, Windows 10, which came out this week. The lot, Windows. I'm sure a lot of people upgraded to Windows 10 this week. Or, or they the didn't. lady that I talked to this week said, no, I need a new computer, and I'm, I'm thinking they're going to have the 8.1 on there, but the 10 is probably going to yeah. be okay. So you can refer to it as the 8.1 <laughs> or the 10. The 8.1, it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> why, why did they even name it 8.1? It's like, eh? It's very nerdy. Uh, and you can also catch this podcast, just go to the uh, HTTP protocol, type in www.asquilly.com and uh, subscribe. The RSS feed is there, which is the, what's the RSS? Real Simple Syndication is what it, what it is. I have no idea. Is That's it? That's what it means. Haze. So yeah, you can use the Real Simple Syndication uh, protocol of method. And you can also email me on the uh, World Wide Web. What's email stand for? It's the uh, internet mail. No. The electronic Electronic mail. mail. Yeah. There's no EI mail. It's electronic mail. You can send me one of those electronic mails at aschoolie at That's the address. You put it in the bar and then you send it to me. Also put a subject. You can uh, write it on an envelope and send a letter. I'm not sure if that's going to make it. It might. You never know. Put aschoolie at and just put it in the mailbox. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe someday. Somebody will type it in. Someday. Um, and you can also don't email Sid Talk. Uh, and I want to say, uh, stay classy, Mr. Russell Crowe. Very good. After watching Noah, I was a bit like, huh, Russell Crowe, this is a bad choice. But this is a good choice. The water diviner was a good choice. And I'm going to say, I would like for you to use your brain in your own way to process all the information in the world around you for your own self with as little influence as you possibly can. Because if you don't, someone else is, like, doing it for you. Sounded very similar. <laughs> 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 <laughs>